0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition, lift off. Hey, everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, DP of Content and Engaged Learning for WorkInsports.com, and this is the WorkInsports Podcast. I started to read a new book the other day, and after about 70 pages, I had to put it down. I had to be done, close it, not interested, don't want to read this anymore. Now, this is really abnormal for me. I am the type of personality that once I start something, I have to finish it. I have to know how it ended. This is true for novels, movies, hikes to waterfalls, you name it. I have to reach the moment of closure. It all has to come together for me. I could be watching the worst Matthew McConaughey romantic comedy, which is slowly rotting my brain away with each passing line of dialogue. Hello, failure to launch? But I still have to see how it ends. This really frustrates my wife, who can cut ties in a moment's notice, but that's a whole other story. She's from Philly. She doesn't suffer fools. Back to the book. I had to put this book down for a very simple reason, and this is a book of great acclaim, an international bestseller that was turned into a pretty darn successful movie. I put it down because it followed every generalized character cliche you could possibly make about races, cultures, religions, and creeds. It was mind-numbing. The Japanese character was good at math and a whiz on computers. The Palestinian character had been involved in terrorist acts. The Russian character was cold, calculating, and emotionless. The Mexican character worked hard in the fields and then drank beer every night. The Jewish character was tight with their money and a shrewd negotiator. And of course, the American character, because it was an American author, was dashing, intelligent, and fearless. I'll leave that to your own interpretations, but I didn't make it past those characters. This isn't me being woke or pandering to our current culture war. I just really hate generalizations. I hate cliches. I hate lazy, boring storytelling. Spreading this narrative and reinforcing to people where they should fit is a dangerous weapon meant to discourage. I'm not having it. I may spark some outrage with this, but I fail to believe we are all predetermined to fit into categories at birth. We can be whoever we work and are driven to be. Period. Of course, I am oversimplifying. There are systemic obstacles to prevent many of us from becoming exactly who we desire to be. But the overarching point is simple. None of us fit into a cliché. We are all individuals. Generalizations like the one exhibited by this trash book slide their way into our sports world often. I just finished reading an article where the executive vice president and chief revenue officer of the National Football League, Renee Anderson, had to post an opinion piece on NFL.com reminding people that, hey, women work in sports too, and there are lots of us in the NFL. Look at all these people who are women in the NFL. Hey, look at us. Let me repeat that. She's an executive VP and chief revenue officer in the NFL, which immediately qualifies her as a badass, and she had to write an article telling people that women really do work in sports in 2020. Like, really? We're still there? That's what we're still doing? We still have to do this? So let's break down some more walls. Let's get out of this generalized, homogenized world and invite in change, diversity, and something a little unexpected. Amina Solomon has one of the most interesting jobs in sports. As a player personnel coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, She is an integral piece of the player personnel department. And I'll let her explain to you exactly what that means. I'll sum it up from my point of view. I'm jealous. Very jealous. Amina is a Muslim woman working in football personnel, meaning she breaks all the rules of probability and smashes every stupid cliché. Now, let's be clear about something. I didn't invite Amina on just because she is a Muslim woman working in player personnel. I invited her on because her role and her experience is incredibly interesting, and there are things we can all learn from her. Being a Muslim woman in sports is part of her story, and we will talk about it some. We'll talk about microaggressions and the way she has been disrespected at times. But 90% of this interview is about her and her role, what it means to be in player personnel, and how she got here. That's what should be interesting to us. I love this conversation, and I know you will too. Here is Amina Solomon. Hi, Amina. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining me. We're both in the Philadelphia area, which means it's like crazy hot and humid today. So we're inside the air conditioning having a good chat. So thank you. Yep, of course. So there's so much to talk about in regards to your football journey, but let's kind of start with this. You grew up in the Philadelphia area in Mm -hmm. Yardley, PA. You went to Temple and worked for the football team. You worked for the NFL League offices, and then you get a job with the Philadelphia Eagles, your hometown team. This is a pretty cool journey. Do you ever sit back and just kind of pinch yourself and say, like, this is pretty amazing stuff?
1: Um, it's funny because sometimes I think I don't really think it's cool until I say it out loud to somebody who goes, wow, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I, I try to keep myself um, in a state where I always feel like I want to get better and improve. So. I don't want to feel too satisfied with where I am, but it, it, I mean, it's cool. I grew up rooting for the Eagles, so I mean, obviously, it's cool to to get in the building and get to interact with the coaches and players and our staff every day. Um, but but I, I try to again try to not be be too wrapped up in it.
0: Yeah, we'll. we'll get, I want to get into all the details of the Eagles and what that experience is like because I have to think it's amazing to work for your. The team you grew up cheering for to then mm-hmm. be in the operation with. And that's also got to kind of create some not conflict, but like it's almost different being an employee mm-hmm. versus being a fan. So we'll talk about uh, that. But let's get back into the journey a little bit. For you personally, when did you kind of figure this out that you want to work in sports? And, and were you always kind of focused in the football area? Or is that something that developed?
1: So when I was in high school, I actually thought I wanted to do sports medicine and I wanted to be like an orthopedic surgeon. And I took a career planning class and my teacher went around the room one day and said like, Hey, everyone talk about what you want to do and why. So I said, hey, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. Like I love sports. And she goes, so so what do you, you the sports part about it? And I was like, yeah. She's like, do you like medicine? And I was like, I mean, not really, but I I mean, it'd be cool if I could do a job with sports. And she goes, you know, there's other stuff you can do besides medicine. Right. So um, that was kind of where I just started thinking about, like, I actually thought I wanted to be an agent for a little bit um, and kind of learned a little bit about that. Talked to some people, realized that wasn't really my path, um, but I knew I, I wanted to do something along the lines of sports. So when I applied to colleges, I mostly applied to business programs, kind of just trying to leave my opportunities open and um, got to Temple, enrolled in the business school. And like when I got there, I knew I wanted to do something with football. Just That's just the sport I know the most and had been around the most and watched the most. So I contacted the DFO at the time. Um, so that was actually the the coach rule staff that's now at, at the Panthers. Yeah. So I contacted the DFO and said, Hey, I'm a freshman. Can I volunteer? there something I can do. So that's where I got started um, as an intern. And I, I stayed on as an intern for my whole four years.
0: OK, so what was that like then? Because I think as a freshman, you can be so intimidated by opportunities like that, especially at a D1 school. Um, what was that like making that first try, attempt to kind of get in with the team? Were they receptive? Was it kind of hard to break through? And what were the roles kind of like? What did they what did they want from you once you did kind of start?
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, for me, I think I didn't really know what to expect. I I sent an email to maybe four people. It was like the DFO, the SID, a couple other people. Um, I didn't even really know what area I wanted to get in. I just knew I wanted to get involved. So they ended up bringing me in for an interview just to see what was up and maybe where I could fit. Um, in that first semester that I volunteered there, it was one, it was volunteering. We didn't get paid in the beginning. And then it was a lot of stuffing envelopes and, Uh, sending out mailers and putting stickers on stuff. So it was literally just stuff that had to get done in the office. I mean, kind of as I stuck around, it evolved into working a little bit more in like recruiting and operations and helping out with visits and stuff like that.
0: So, okay, so you did the academic tutor thing a little bit. You did the recruiting intern. By the time you left the program, now you were there for a Mm -hmm. while, and your roles changed as you earned more responsibilities. By the time you left, your official title was Football Operations and Recruiting Grad Assistant. Yep. So talk about that. Talk about your progression from I'm starting out as a freshman, I'm stuffing mm-hmm. envelopes, to the end, you're you're being involved in the recruiting process. Like that talk about that progression a little bit. What was that like?
1: Yeah. So so like I said, as as I was an intern, I kind of my duties kind of progressed a little bit as I got older and more experienced. And it's actually a funny story because um so my right before my last semester of college going into senior year, spring spring semester, I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. This was fun. I just want to enjoy the end of senior year. Hang out. I don't really want to do any work. So, yeah, um, that was that fall. We did like our last round of official visits. I was like, thanks, guys. The experience was great. Cool. I'm just going to start applying for jobs and stuff. And that was right when Coach Rule staff left. Mm-hmm. Um, the new staff came on. Some people stayed. Some people went and they said, Hey, like you've been here for a while. Like, do you think you could stay on for like a couple more weeks just to help us like transition and like deal with like some of the logistics that people on the new staff don't know, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, yeah, cool. But then I'm just going to hang out. I just want to enjoy my last semester of senior year. Um, obviously that's not what happened because I ended up sticking around and then I was a junior <laughs> right after that. So um, not exactly what I had planned, but it definitely worked out um, for the best.
0: So what was that like being part of the recruiting though, and starting to set up the team for the next generation? Because recruiting is, such an important role for any industry. Like people think about recruiting as it relates to football players and acquisition of talent, Mm -hmm. but really any industry does this. They look for the best people to identify them, to find them, to bring them in. What were kind of those aha moments as you started to get into this side of the business where you started to see it almost through a different lens of, of, of player personnel that eventually built you into the person you are
1: now? So what I would say that I did, I would call it recruiting operations. So I did a lot of the logistics with the recruiting process and I basically did everything except evaluate talent uh, from a film perspective. So I kind of helped support the coaches in terms of like helping them map out their schools. Where do they have to go? What recruits do they have to write? Who's coming on a campus? What do we need to do? What hotels do we need to book, et cetera? Um, So, I mean, it was it was interesting just kind of to see the whole process, because obviously, as an intern, we helped out like with events here and there with game days here and there, but kind of didn't really see the whole process from start to finish. Um, So just being able to see kind of how that worked. And then the other half of what I did was team operations. So that was more hotels, catering, planes, helping out our DFO and assistant DFO with everything that had to get done on that end.
0: That's such an underappreciated part of it all, though, right? Yeah. Is that without that, nothing else happens. Without that kind yeah. of structure and all those little details dotted and, and taken care of, yeah. you also helped with when recruits came on campus, though, right? Mm-hmm. You'd give them tours around, you'd show them yeah. kind of the facilities and things of that nature. I've heard a lot of coaches over the years say to me that recruiting is about building relationships and yep. trust, Do you agree with that kind of perspective and what was your approach when you were working directly with a recruit to start to kind of build that foundation?
1: Yeah, I I agree with that about having relationships built on trust and and things like that. Um, And you kind of see it with like, when you see kids commit and you'll ask them why, like, why'd you pick that school? You had three better offers and you'll say like, they are my first offer. They stuck with me throughout the whole process or like maybe dad went there or whatever the situation was. Um, But it was a good experience for me. Kind of obviously when we were interns, we were younger um, So we're kind of in the same age range as those guys. So we could have different discussions um, and they could ask different questions to us being current students and say like, oh, what's whatever program like, what's it like living in on campus, off campus, things like that, that maybe um, the coaches and the full time staff either don't know because they didn't go there or just don't know because that's not where um, that's not like what they've done. So um, that that's what I would say was kind of the different part about us.
0: So you're still wearing your temple gear right now. I can see that T in the in the in the corner, up upper, upper left corner there. Uh, so I imagine that there's a lot of pride in what you're able to uh, accomplish there. Are you still pretty well connected to that organization as well? Is this a is this a sense of pride for you and in that program and what you help to be a part of?
1: I try to stay connected as much as possible. So this new staff that just started with Coach Rod Carey, um, I'm not familiar with most of the coaches on that staff. I know a couple um, who are from the previous staff. Um, I still know some of the support staff. Um, we try to get to as many games as possible, just because it's right in our stadium. So we'll walk across the street on Saturdays and <laughs> and, and watch the prospects for for Temple and for the visiting teams. Um, Temple was actually one of my uh, spring evaluation schools this year. So I just finished watching the upcoming senior class, just putting in our evaluations based on last year's film. So I mean, I I love Temple. I love my time there. It was one of the most eye opening experiences in terms of just helping me learn the industry and and develop me as a person and as a worker. And I, I'd like to stay connected as much as I can.
0: I'm excited because we're getting into the geeky part where we get to talk about film study, but anyway, well, let's, let's keep going. Um, The dream scenario for most people is that they intern somewhere, they gain some experience, they got to prove themselves a little bit, and then it turns into Mm -hmm. a full-time job at that organization. Um, It doesn't always work that way. It's not always a straight line for people in their careers, but this did happen for you. And it was at the NFL league offices, which is pretty impressive you were a player personnel intern in the summer of 2016. And then a little over a year later, they hired you full time as a player personnel assistant. Mm -hmm. So there's a year gap in there between when your internship was and when they actually hired you. What was your approach in that year period? Were you staying in touch with people? How how did you make sure they didn't forget about you and know that you were still a viable person to to be an employee there once you were ready?
1: Um, So I did stay in contact with them just seeing how everybody was and what was going on in the office and stuff like that. Nothing like crazy or um, like every week or anything like that. I check in like every couple months, they text me, see what was up, things like that. I mean, I had kind of just built a relationship with some of those people just working there um, was checking in, like, how's your kid, how's your wife, stuff like that. Um, so I, they had known that I started. So they actually, I was GA when the spot opened okay. and they called me in like October and said like, Hey, there's an opening what do you think about applying? And I was like, it's October, we're doing ops. We were we didn't have enough people on our op staff. And I was like, that would be a really bad time for me to just leave in the middle of the season. Um, and they were like, well, if you're serious and you would definitely take it after the season, um, we can hold the spot longer and you can just apply and we'll have the start date as after. So um, that is what ended up happening. Um, and I went through the process right after the season and I actually started in New York. We flew home for the bowl game And I went to New York the next day. I think we flew home on a Tuesday night and I started Wednesday morning. So uh, not a lot of time in between, but but that's kind of how it happened.
0: Okay, so that's pretty cool that they were holding a spot for you. You obviously must have proven yourself really well during that initial internship. So what was that experience like? Was that a different, completely different introduction? I'd imagine, I mean, Temple's a big program. It's a D1 school and everything. But I think jumping to the NFL League offices had to be a a pretty big shift, right? I mean, what was that experience like? And and what were some of the big takeaways from that experience?
1: So it was definitely different just because everything, kind of like I talked about, everything I did at Temple was off- the field. So we did with like events and catering hotels and stuff. What I did at the league office. So I guess just backtracking a little bit. So when we say player personnel on the team side, it usually just means scouting and evaluation. The yeah. um, personnel at the league office was more of like the admin side. So we did a lot of work with like player contracts, transactions, salary cap work rules, kind of almost like compliance um, yeah. with the CBA, just making sure that every, all the teams are good with that stuff. Um it was different. It was nothing I had ever done before. And I, they had told me basically that one of the main reasons that they had hired me, even though I didn't have any experience in that specific area, was just that they wanted candidates to have been around football, but also have like an interest, obviously be willing to learn and get better, but have an interest in football and kind of understand how to operate in a football environment. Um, it was good, though. I had, I had a really good experience. I learned a lot. I, I like the people over there a lot. It's a lot of smart people in that department um, that, again, taught me a lot and helped me grow.
0: That's interesting because it's not just, I mean, people get so locked in and I do the same thing. You get so locked in on having specific skills attract directly to the job. But so many times employers are looking to hire people that have a passion. It's some experience like they can teach, they can teach specific skills, Mm -hmm. but you can't teach somebody excitement about the role or excitement about the industry or some knowledge, firsthand knowledge. So getting that internship experience where that on, on, you know, departmental experience with Temple and then translating Mm -hmm. that to the NFL league offices made a difference. So what was the training program like at the NFL offices? They kind of bring you in and say, we're going to show you how we do things our way.
1: So the first week we had like intern training. So we all kind of just learned a little bit about how everything worked. There were like 40 of us across the whole league. So between marketing, communications and stuff like that. Um, So we did that in the beginning and then it was kind of just learning like on the job. So they give me a task and kind of teach me how to do it as we go along and go from there. Um, We sat in like salary cap meetings um, and things regarding the work rules. So that helped me again. I didn't understand a lot of it going in. I'd sit in a meeting and just take all these notes and figure out what they were saying later. Um, But just being in there and being able to listen and learn from so many experienced, qualified and really smart people helped me grow.
0: Yeah, I'm figuring you probably got some mentors for life too, like people at the NFL League offices that you can still lean yeah. on and, and ask questions of, and kind of. Re, uh, yeah. I mean, is that wouldn't you say that's one of the more important things that can come out of any experience is making some of those senior connections that can help you as a, a in a mentorship type role as well.
1: Yeah, hundred no, percent. And I I say this all the time when people ask me about my work stuff, but I wouldn't be close to anywhere where I am without the people have helped me along the way at the league office, at Temple, at the Eagles, just throughout the whole process. Um, I've been really, really lucky to have good people around me.
0: Yeah. So after about a year with the NFL, you come back to the Eagles, hometown team, pretty exciting. You work your way up to your current role as player personnel coordinator. What do you remember most about your first day with the Eagles I mean this has to be I would imagine somewhat a somewhat an emotional experience this is the team you grew up cheering for you've had this dream for a while to work on the team side in pro sports and your your first real opportunity is with your hometown team that has to be pretty crazy like what was that first day like for you?
1: It was cool to be honest. I think I was just too concerned with trying to figure out what was going on about like, Oh, got to pick this up. Got to get my security card. Got to go to HR to like even sit down and think about like, wow, this is pretty cool. Um, again, so when I started, it was for a six week internship. So I wasn't expecting it to be a long-term thing. I kind of just wanted to make sure that I learned as much as I could in the six weeks. I gained as much knowledge from people around me, met as many people as I could and just made the best of that experience. Um, Obviously, it ended up being longer term, but in the beginning, I was just trying to make sure that I had a real solid six weeks.
0: You had a strategy going into that internship then because you were it was a training camp internship, right, with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So you went into it saying, if I accomplish these things, if I meet people, and if I connect and I do these things, that this could this could end up really well for me. And so having that kind of a strategy set you up for some levels of success, I'd say, right?
1: Yeah, it's funny, because the first day of the internship, um, one of the people had us write down a list of like the three goals we wanted to accomplish um, from the internship. And I had some pretty vague stuff. I was like, basically do a good job, connect with people and something else. And he gave it back to me and said, you need to be more specific, like rewrite these, make them more specific and bring it back. So um, I still have the paper somewhere in my desk. But one of the ones was to do what I do at a high level, just to make myself valuable enough that they wouldn't want me to leave. Um, That's awesome. I mean, I guess it worked because I've been around for a little
0: bit, but I think it worked, and and I love that that they pushed you to be more specific and to have (laughs) goals coming out of this. Okay, so I know from having worked in the sports industry for a long time myself, no Mm -hmm. two days are the same. Every day is different. It's always a different challenge. There's different things that go into it, but give me kind of a high arch, like overarching Mm -hmm. perspective on what it means to be a player personnel coordinator. If you're going to explain it to our audience and say. These are the, this is the main thrust of my role. How would you explain it?
1: Um, So I'm probably at this point, like 70% scouting and 30% admin stuff slash operations. Um, In terms of the scouting, I'm basically split between pro and college. So we have a couple pro teams we're responsible for throughout the year. We evaluate them coming up into free agency, coming up to the trade deadline. Um, And then we have like yearly teams that we evaluate just to make sure we have kind of a pulse on what's going on throughout the league we have colleges going on in the fall, so we're evaluating college players. Um, we do pro advances, so making sure that the coaches are prepped in terms of what they need to prepare for the game plan for the for the next week. Um, so a little bit of work with that, and then I did some work the past couple of years with our um, VP of football ops in terms of like uh, officiating. So just doing some projects and making sure we have our database fully, um, fully kind of completed so that we don't have we can kind of use officiating as a tool rather than like a something to work against us so having as much info as we can to prep our players and prep the coaches for the crew that we're going to have that week just to make sure we're 100% on the same page
0: patterns and tendencies and those yeah. what they call more often i love that that's super cool yeah. so okay i think it's fascinating that you went from positions that were more admin based and mm-hmm. more operations based to then being 70/30 on the scouting side yeah. Evaluing players is a skill, but it's not something you get taught in a college classroom. Right. How did you get to a point where you knew the specific skills to look for and how to identify them on tape or how to, what, to look for, you know, what to look for to understand the system of evaluation? How did you get that transition going from more operations focused to more scouting focused?
1: So I'll back up just a little bit and I'm going to touch on something that you talked about earlier, but when I actually interviewed for the internship, I thought it was an ops internship because the person who had told me about it was like, yeah, I think it's ops. So I went in and they kept saying, what do you know about scouting? And I was like, uh, I haven't done it. I was like, I'm sure I could learn, but none. Like I haven't, haven't done any film evaluation. So at that point I didn't think I was going to get the internship and I wasn't really too caught up about it. And when they called me to say I got it, I was like, are you, Sure. You call the right person. Um, <laughs> basically. So we learned during the internship a little bit about the evaluations, obviously on a basic level, just because it wasn't very much time. Um, and their whole philosophy that they kind of explained to me later and kind of as it was going on, like you touched on, was we would rather get the right person in the building rather than the exact right skill set Cause we can't teach you how to be a good worker, but we can teach you how to watch a wide receiver. So um, that's kind of how it started. And basically my first year, I had more admin duties and my scouting evaluations were kind of like practice. So I worked with our pro director at the time, uh, Dwayne Joseph, who's now the pro director at the Raiders. Um, he was huge and kind of helping me ask my dumb questions, figure stuff out. So we'd sit once a week. Um, we'd sit on Friday afternoons and say like, all right, we're going to do receivers today. So, okay, like we'll watch Julio Jones. We'll watch AJ green. And we're going to watch like an average guy. And we're going to talk about why, why this is better than this. Why is, why are his routes better than his? What do we use when we say this, this terminology and things like that. So um, having him as a resource and being able to sit there and say like, Oh, I heard somebody say this word in a meeting. What does that refer to? Um, Having him was huge for me. Um, And again, I don't think there's every, I don't think every organization necessarily would be willing to invest the time and the resources to help you get up to speed when you could theoretically hire another candidate that's on, a little more advanced in that area. So I was really lucky just with the whole everyone in the process. One that hired me took that chance on me, even though I wasn't the most prepared from my skill set background, um, and then invested time in me once I got there. So after my first year, as I kind of got a better handle on it, I started to have actual scouting responsibilities. So that's when I got my pro teams and college teams and stuff like that.
0: I think it's so cool. Like I'm sitting here like smiling the entire time you're talking because I'm one of those geeks. So I've worked in the sports media my entire career and I've covered mm. every sport, but I'm one of those geeks that could sit and watch film all the time, but I don't know what I'm, I watch as a fan. Like I cannot mm. sit here and profess to know all of the scouting intricacies. So I would think sitting there and just getting, kind of taught on almost a master's level by somebody who's been doing it for a long time, you find out quickly whether it's something you're passionate about. Was that your kind of your experience as you started to do this transition from the admin to the scouting part that immediately you identified, this is it for me, I love this, this is great. Or did was that kind of the way you felt?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, I still think I'm a little bit in that process, just because like you said, it's not something you can kind of learn overnight or take a course yeah. in. Um, That every time I watch a player, I'm adding to my mental database that I can compare somebody to or say his footwork is better than his or his strength is better than his kind of just to build that up. So, I mean, I've really been watching film for, I guess, a little under two years, but I feel like I'm still learning and growing in that. So, I mean, I definitely like it. It's been really interesting. Um, I'm still trying to get my footing a little bit just to make sure I'm like 100 percent in a space where I feel comfortable um, doing all the positions and stuff like that.
0: So. I'd imagine in your current role that the combine and the draft have big red circles on your calendar. Like these are, these are events you are very focused on and work your schedule towards, and really figure mm-hmm. out. There got to be like the Super Bowl for player personnel staff. Yeah. So, what define your role for these type of events? What is it like for you at a combine, for example? I know you've been to multiple. What yes. is kind of the role that you provide, and how do you provide the most value the, the most value possible?
1: So I'll go combine first. Um, okay, we actually had one of our reporters talk to me and one of our scouting assistants before we went this year just to see how it went. And basically, like the gist of what we do is making everyone's life easier on the road to make sure that the coaches and the scouts don't have to do anything besides evaluate players and watch the workouts. So just a mm-hmm. lot of the logistics and setting up, um, making sure that everybody's taken care of and. Um, during the senior bowl, which is earlier, that's where we actually have more evaluative responsibilities. So we have a position group. We're interviewing guys and stuff like that. But just because this is on a bigger scale and everyone's there, we're kind of just making sure everyone else has everything taken care of. Um, draft is a little bit different. So obviously draft is the big date for us. We're pretty much in good shape a week or two out. So it's not so much the day. There's actually – we're not doing a whole lot that day. We're usually in the building. Obviously not this year, but we're usually in the building um, – just kind of being around um, it's, it's, I, we're not in the war room. There's uh, a bunch of the the front office and the coaches are in there, but it's not huge because ownership is in there too. So but most of us literally just, we hang out, we're watching the draft with each other. Um, but most of our duties and our evaluations are completed a couple of weeks before that. So that's kind of like the home stretch between the season ending and then getting up to a couple of weeks before the draft. That's when like our like season is basically.
0: I imagine, and I don't know if this has happened for you specifically, but I'm sure it's happened for people that are in your department or your coworkers. But I imagine that if there's somebody specifically that you've been evaluating, or a certain region, or a certain whatever team, university, whatever, and, yep. and something happens with them on draft day with yep. your team, like that's got to be a pretty exciting moment, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I so so last year I did less college and more pro. Um, my main college stuff started this past season, so I had um, schools with prospects. That were like mostly going to be camp camp bodies and stuff like that. But again, it's like a guy you see you really liked and thought would be like a great camp body and then you see a team pick him up in the seventh round and you're like, I kind of liked him like I thought he'd be good as like a 90 man or something like that. So um, it's kind of cool in that respect.
0: Yeah, it kind of validates your uh, your perspective. It kind of tells mm-hmm. you, like, okay, I'm onto something here, and like what I'm seeing, my eyes are. I can start to trust my eyes a little bit more, yeah. trust trust my instincts a little bit more, knowing that what I saw did. You, like, if if you really like somebody and they never made a camp or anything like that, yeah. it's going to be like, uh oh, you know, like yeah. it would be a different kind of message. So, let's go back to the combine for a second. Yep. You said your job is to make life easier for the other people in your department, which makes total sense. Yeah. yeah, which makes total sense. Um, what's the fastest way to get in the doghouse of the rest of the crew? Like if you, if you aren't doing certain things the right way and you're not setting their life up easier, what does that look like
1: for us? Just in terms of things that we do on the day to day, not necessarily just at combine, but in general, just being really organized and detail oriented is super important. Um, Cause obviously like, you're making a list and there's a scout that has to evaluate 20 players and you accidentally leave one off. And then we get to the drafter and like, Oh my God, someone didn't evaluate this guy. He's getting drafted in the fifth round, Um, whatever it is. But obviously attention to detail is pretty important with that. So I would say just not um, caring about the details or the small things would probably be a, probably be a negative.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, (laughs) you don't want to make some bad choices there and let down the rest of the group at the combine when they have other things to be concerned about. It makes a lot of sense. So you have worked for and earned every step of your career. That's clear in this interview, but let's speak honestly for a second. You're a woman wearing a hijab in pro football and there are a lot of ignorant people out there. Um, I'm sure you get looks. I'm sure you've heard mumbles. How do you deal with that undercurrent? What's that like for you? Do Do you dismiss it? Do you take it head on? Do you just like get used to it? Like what's the process like for you?
1: I think I've been pretty lucky just being in the Northeast and Philly in general is a pretty diverse city. Um, I mean, there's been times I remember going out, it was a college game. I think we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma and just super, everyone was staring. And to be honest, like I haven't really had any outward, really awful experiences. And I know there's definitely people who have, um, I mean, the worst thing would probably be just staring here and there, microaggressions here and there, but nothing really crazy that has really hindered me from doing what I need to do. Um, and again, I've been lucky. I don't think I speak for everybody when I say that because there's a lot of people who have. Um, kind of dealt with things. But I mean, honestly, like I said, it's more microaggression stuff. Like I went to a bank and a guy was like, oh, you speak great English. I was like, what other language did you want me to speak? Um, but I mean, it's it's just random stuff here and there, but I I haven't really been negatively affected by it. And I'm, I'm pretty lucky with that.
0: Yeah, it's got to be, I mean, I would imagine it can be tough. So we we talk a lot on this show uh, about supporting women in the sports industry and, and building mm-hmm. that up and trying to um, give everyone out there a perspective that they can do it. It doesn't matter who they are, where they come from, anything of that nature. In your view and in the current, like right now, how can women support each other and others be allies as well? How can we continue to grow that process?
1: I think one of the things that um, I mentioned before is helping me a lot was having mentors. And obviously, if you're a woman looking to get into sports, ideally, you would want a female mentor that can kind of help you out. Unfortunately just numbers wise obviously there's not that many but one of the things that's helped me the most is my male mentors and I think the one thing that I would that I have I have advised a lot of girls is that like you can look for a female mentor but like if you're in college and you want to be a scout and there's not that many female scouts so you're just doing the odds and you're like okay I email eight people three are going to respond maybe one of them might have time but I think there's a lot of guys out there who are willing to be allies in my experience that are totally on board with kind of helping and mentoring people, but you just can't be afraid to reach out and, and kind of be proactive about it. Um, But in general, having like a network of people that know you, that you know that you have good relationships with can always help.
0: Are you able to connect with other women who are in football ops? Are there, are there methods that you're using to to kind of connect with people outside of the Eagles or whatever and with in across sports, even maybe.
1: Yeah. So I, with one of my coworkers, her name is Kat. Um, She came from the CFL has been with us for about a year or so. Um, But we were talking and said like, I wonder why there's no platform. Like we kind of know some girls that work in scouting or in football ops just from knowing them on a personal basis. But we were saying there's no formal network or platform for everybody to be connected. So actually we did this like two weeks ago. Um, We basically went through all the front offices. We contacted one person from each team and said, Hey, We saw these three females on your website. Are there any more? Anybody else you think might want to get involved, stuff like that. So we made like a big list. We sent out an email. We said, hey, we're just trying to make a platform, get everybody on the same page, just really informal, just to get everybody on the same page to share resources or um, opportunities and stuff like that. So all we have right now is a group chat. We just got it started. But just having a platform where everybody's on the same page and on the same wavelength is cool for us. I mean, we included obviously the scouts and the football ops people. We got um, analytics people, trainers, nutritionists. So basically everybody that's kind of on like the football side in the NFL. Um, And again, who knows what will come of it. We will probably do a couple of virtual calls, maybe like a meeting or two at combine. But I think having everybody kind of connected or at least have the opportunity to be connected can not only help everybody that's already here, but can also help people get into the league because we're kind of on the same page about it.
0: I think that's awesome and you should be proud. I mean, that's exactly the 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 start point starting point of this podcast was to uh, to start a conversation, to start talking mm-hmm. about you know breaking down the myths or or setting up people for success or giving tips or whatever, just yep. to start to have this conversation that we could all kind of rally around and have in that interaction. So, yep. if you're able to find that niche within your industry and say Let's band together and let's talk. Let's share what is happening yep. with our team and over on the West Coast and over, you know, wherever, because everybody's having different experiences. I yep. think that's where the, the power of the union can start. So I have a 13 year old daughter and I talked to her. I hope you don't mind. I talked to her about mm-hmm. your story and about working your mm-hmm. way up in football, and about earning every step and about, you know, not being dismayed by stereotypes. And she was like, you could see it in her face. She was inspired. So Do you recognize this? Do you realize? Because you seem very humble to me. You seem very, you know, organized and matter of fact, and you have your perspective and and that's awesome. But do you ever take a minute to realize how much of a role model you are to young women out there, uh, regardless of any industry? Is is that an embarrassing (laughs) question for you? (laughs) Um,
1: I mean, I'm definitely I'm I guess I like to think that I'm still youngish, but I mean, I'm 25. I'm just starting off kind of getting my career kind of like on track and trying to get better at what I do. Um, I know obviously there's not that many of us, just women in general working in football, but specifically in scouting. Um, I mean, I don't know specifically if I'm, if I would say that I'm like inspiring people, but if just me telling somebody my path or my journey can make them think like, Oh shoot, maybe I could do that too. Or maybe that could be something, um, that I could do just, just for somebody to see it, that it has happened before. Um, I mean, that's cool for me. One of the small things I do is like, if, if a college kid or someone messages me on LinkedIn and says, Hey, can I like call you? I just, I'm curious about your job and stuff like that. I try to take as many of those like calls and emails as possible, just as like my tiny thing to give back that if there's like something I can say or like some opportunity I can let you know of that could possibly help you like, that's very cool to me.
0: (laughs) Well, this is dangerous now because now everybody listening is going to be connecting with you on LinkedIn. So (laughs) don't be surprised if you get a lot of connection requests.
1: Yeah, no worries. I was going to say that's that's my my tiny thing I do to give back. It's obviously on a small scale, it's one person by one person. But if there's one person in that mix that thinks that they could do a career that they didn't think they could or something like that, then that would be awesome.
0: That's awesome. So what's your vision for yourself? What do you where you I mean, I, I, you you've changed multiple times of, you know, being a little bit more on the admin operations side, getting into scouting more as you've kind of seen the whole thing from the NFL league perspective, from the division one perspective, from the team perspective, how is this kind of all put together your knowledge and experience to say, okay, this is where I want to end up someday. What does that look like for you to you think?
1: Yeah, I think I would want to stay on the football side. Um, Coaching is not really my thing. So I would, I would like to stay on the scouting side, kind of front office, Um, There's a lot of people with us, but also in other organizations that are kind of like cross-trained where like you can do scouting stuff, but also know a lot about the salary cap or also know a lot about like the work rules and compliance and stuff like that. So for me right now, I'm doing scouting, I'm doing my admin stuff, and I'm trying to learn as much as possible about the other things kind of along the way. Um, And honestly, just to stay on the team side and do whatever I can to be the most well-rounded person that can contribute the most to an organization. That's just my, my goal for right now.
0: So look out, Howie Roseman. Okay, (laughs) so no, I'm kidding, Howie, if you're listening. Um, Let's finish up with this. You uh, you have a busy day ahead of you. I'm sure you have a lot of film to watch, which I'm jealous of. Um, We have a lot of people in our audience who talk to me all the time about how, like, I want to work on the player side. I want to work on evaluation side. As you kind of have had a lot of mentors who have shared advice with you and have kind of guided you along the way, uh, what would be the kind of advice that you'd share back to somebody, a young person, who may be thinking, I want to work in the scouting side one day. What's the what's the advice you'd give them to help them on that path?
1: The one thing I usually say, and this is a little basic, but in terms of timing with people that are looking to get into the NFL Training camp, obviously, you have 90 players on the roster. You're chopping down to 53. So just that month of training camp, every team needs help, whether it's driving a van back and forth to the airport or helping out at practice or whatever it is. That's the best time to get in just because teams need hands. So um, obviously, that's how I started when I got in. But there's people that get started on the upside, scouting, equipment, uh, training, whatever it is. That's just a good time to get in. And kind of get your foot in the door and figure out, get to meet people, get to know people. And whether it turns into something right away or not, you're at least connected with those people. You can find out, is this something I really want to do? Is this an environment I want to be in? Um, But I would say that and just in general, just be willing to learn and be open to opportunities that might not necessarily be in your exact five-year plan or where you see yourself Um, And you'll talk to a lot of people that has started in the equipment room or started in the training room and and things that they didn't necessarily see themselves doing, but kind of found their way to get into that area. And I think it's a lot easier to get into a different apartment once you're ready in a team rather than like, say, oh, can't drive the van. I really want to work in scouting and kind of just be turning stuff down just to turn it down. Um, So I would say there's no job too small for anything you can do with an NFL team if that's what you want to do. So um, that would be my two main things.
0: I mean, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today, sharing so much of your guidance and insight. I mean, your journey's incredible. You should be super proud. And I know you have, uh, you're, you're looking at yourself like you're just getting started on the journey, which is true. Uh, at 25, you are still young, uh, but, and you have a lot ahead of you. But this is exciting to hear how you got there. And thank you for sharing all your advice and thoughts.
1: Appreciate you having
0: me. Right after I finished my interview with Amina, I talked to someone in the industry, a friend of mine, And I was just remarking to them how impressed I was by her demeanor. Very straightforward, very organized, very controlled really understanding what needs to be done not being distracted by a lot of other things going on around her focusing on what she can control that that personality is so interesting to me because i tend to be like a big puppy dog just like kind of flopping around and like getting excited and running around and you know talking fast and getting into things and and she was just so measured and so in control and i admire that so much because i don't know i don't have it in me (laughs) i'm never that controlled i'm really not uh but i just i I'm fascinated by everything she had to share, the part of her role, all the things that she has to go through, how she got to this point, the level of work she put in. That's what it takes, people. That's what it takes. It takes the work. The work got her to where she is, and that's something to really be proud of. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Share with a friend, too. It always helps us grow this audience and continue to get incredible guests like Amina. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please wear a mask and stay safe out there we